0: Morning, how are you doing? Everyone doing well? Yeah, yep, excellent. My name's Peter, I'm one of the leaders at the, uh, the project here. Good to have you out. Uh, it's a good thing to have a day, a year, I'm celebrating mums, yeah? Amen. And dads, amen? amen. <laughs> how good is it? You know, when I was a kid, I thought it was just a sham, this whole thing. It's like, let's just get a third present getting opportunity. But now I'm a parent, I'm thinking that one's not enough to add on top of that let's have another 10 let's get at least get into double digits i um just want to make a couple of comments um just as a bit of a preface um celebrations in the church uh can tend to be a little bit difficult sometimes and the reason why they can be a bit difficult is because usually the way it works is when you celebrate something there's someone who can't celebrate it or someone who uh, uh the celebration actually adds some degree of pain uh, for them, and that this is especially the case uh, on Mother's Day. Um, there's people uh, in, in this church who uh, who wanted to be a mum but couldn't, or want to be a mum um, and can't for some reason. And then there's other people that uh, motherhood's caused a um, uh, a great deal of pain. Um, some people in the church have lost their mother, their mothers died. Uh, so kind of. Mother Day, we just want to just stop for a minute and just appreciate that there's a real kind of two-tiered thing that can happen on this kind of day. Um, And I think the really really good thing about the Bible is that the Bible understands that, it recognises that. Uh, You've got scriptures like rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You've got another scripture by Paul in Corinthians where he talks about sorrowful yet always rejoicing, which tends to be the way that life goes. I think most of the time you don't have really happy times and nothing else and you don't have really sad times and nothing else it doesn't happen that way that often most of the time you got happy and sad happening at the same time in, you know what i'm talking about and uh and god's kind of in the midst of that i think one of the things that makes um it, you know in a sense mother's day painful for people struggling with that is is because i actually think it's because motherhood's really precious and it's really special and um so just just wanted to um just just make those couple of comments. Um, but Mother's Day is what we're celebrating today. Motherhood's a, a, a great thing. So we're in the middle of a, uh, a series on Ecclesiastes. And some of you are going, come on, man, like it's Mother's Day. Can we just kind of leave Ecclesiastes behind like you did submission on Mother's Day last year? That just kind of took us over the, over the top. In fact, the crowds today have been about 50% of normal. And it may have because I did submission last year on Mother's Day. I don't know. People, we're not coming back to that place, you know. And it's kind of, some of you, it's like, see, like, I, I know it. Like, my suspicion is correct. This, this, the project does not want anyone to be happy, all right. And this is just another thing. But I thought, let's actually have a bit of a look at Ecclesiastes and see if it says anything about motherhood, right. And for those of you who have been here long enough in Ecclesiastes, you're going, it's not going to say anything good at all about motherhood. Cause it doesn't say anything good about much in the whole of the book of Ecclesiastes. Anyway, uh, this is the best I could come up with. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. As you do not know the way that the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. All right. So I could really go to town on this and do some real exegetical violence to this text, which I'm not actually going to do. Uh, But you can kind of see there, the writer's kind of going, look, uh, you don't know where God's going to go, what he's going to do. Uh, It's kind of a bit like a baby being created and then born inside a mother it's like he's going it's a mystery man how does that thing kind of happen and uh, that's kind of where I want to go a little bit today is just the 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 miracle in a sense of of a baby being born so there's three uh, places I'm going today the miracle of life the miracle of an eternal soul and the miracle of God incarnate uh, psalm 139 uh, has uh, it's just some beautiful, it's a beautiful psalm. In fact, I've asked community groups to read through it and just talk about it this week when they meet together. But there's this uh, part that talks about the creation of a of a human. And I just want to read a, read uh, from Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. I just want you to note the language. Listen to this. For you formed a mine. You hear that? It's not like you formed our. It's like you formed a mine. Like it's it's... There's a real kind of personal kind of touch to this, uh, this knowledge that God's got. And if, if you know Psalm 139 well, Psalm 139 is very much God is very close and he's right there with you. Listen to this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth i saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them beautiful little section i mean you can hear the personal knowledge that god has and you can kind of hear in there god's kind of going i'm intimately involved in the creation of every single human being you see when the psalmist here says he was being made in secret he's talking about being inside his mother's womb god's doing this he's intricately woven i mean yet. you, th- you think of that phrase—they're in- intricately woven in the depths of the earth. What are you thinking of? You're thinking about the complex colours and patterns of a weaver, an embroiderer. You know, this is the god that can throw lightning bolts. This is the god that flung the stars into space, and he's down here in the detail with a a cell that you can't even see with a naked eye. Like he's that involved, and he's actually stitching things together. You see, he's involved in the details of you before you even knew there was a you. Before you even had consciousness, he was involved with you. God is close. You see, the making of people is not a mass production assembly line, all right? This is not the Model T Ford. This is not Adelaide with Holden Commodores coming off the assembly line. They're all the same, and each worker does a little piece of it, and then the whole thing comes off the assembly line. This is the master craftsman at work. He's an expert and he's intricately custom making every single individual on the face of this planet. Isn't that incredible? Now some of you you're probably in your head right now you're just kinda of going, nah no, nah, we know how this this works, right? We've got science now, we've got ultrasound. We we know what happens. We know that this bit happens here and then at this stage this happens you know and, and all the way along it's, it's a natural process it's a biological natural process well i want to suggest to you today uh, it's not a biological natural process it's the work of a craftsman we'll get to some more of that in a minute in my uh, former life i was a manual arts teacher all right which uh, I was actually trained in New South Wales and I'm just telling you, being a design and technology teacher sounds a whole lot better than manual arts teacher and that's what I was originally called and then I had to humble myself and come to Queensland. <laughs> come on, you guys got to get a bit, bit more angry. We need a bit more anger in the project, that's what we need. So I uh, came up here and uh, spent, uh, I, I said to some students this week actually, I spent like half of my life working in this school. Like that, that's freaky. But anyway, that's kind of how it happened. Um, Made lots of furniture in my home um, that we still use over there, still together, and and taught lots of kids to, to make furniture. And part of the way along as I was a manual arts teacher, I found out about the fact that there was a guy in Toowoomba who makes furniture that is off the charts incredible, all right? Now, this is like off the charts, off the charts incredible, Right? And he's, he's, I actually drove past his factory. He's like in a Calabon shed uh, in Wilsonton. That's the last time I saw it, right? His name's David Boucher, right? Now, this guy makes furniture for kings, queens, sultans, A-list celebrities, generals of armies. He's making like stuff that's going to be around for the next 500 years. Absolutely incredible. Uh, he um, designed him and his workers designed and made this desk. Look at that. And one of the things I heard him say about this desk is he designed and made this desk so that a general of an army would be able to sit there and write his memoirs that would go down in history. Now, it took three years to make this desk. They don't outsource stuff. They've got these guys in there called ebonyists. And what they are, they're multi-skilled craftsmen that make everything. They make the hinges, they make the catches. This thing, you can't see it there. And I uh, wasn't going to show you the video today because it's on VHS. Who even knows what that is? <laughs> yeah, a few of you. Okay. Anyone anyway, who knows what beta is? Uh, see, that's even more shameful. Pro- no, not really. You're in church. Bless you. Um, but here's the thing. He went up, oh, I remember seeing a video. He's going up and he's touching buttons all over the place on this thing and secret compartments are popping out all over the place, right? He actually made it so that you could turn one of those lines um, uh, sorry, turn one of those uh, columns there or there's a line somewhere. I, I, I see, I can't even remember where it is, but there's a line somewhere. You turn the thing, the doors open, you get this image of the Taj Mahal down, down through the back of this desk and it even play some kind of sound or music so that you have the whole ambiance of the whole situation. He's making this kind of stuff uh, all the time, right? But here's the thing. This is not mass production. This is a three-year job this is people come with an idea, and what do we do? Well, you can get on his website, Boucher & Co., and you can go through, and he goes through the whole process on his website about how you end up with a finished product. And he goes through the sketching, the ideas, you know, the idea stage, the sketching, the drawing, uh, the quoting, the, uh, and then the creation of this thing. I mean, it's just incredible. The guy's just been asked uh, and assigned a contract to provide interior fittings for like a really high-end Rolls-Royce. Like, I think, it's this, is it the Silver Shadow? Like, he's doing a limited edition Silver Shadow fit-out for inside of Rolls-Royce. And this is happening in Toowoomba. Yeah, you probably didn't even know about it, did you? Some of you might have. Now, remember, a, a groundy used to work at the school here, groundsman, sorry, in uh, I'll translate that. Uh, a groundsman at the school uh, who I was really good mates with got to go on a tour of the guy's factory, right? So he went through... Uh, grandy's name was uh, was ralph he went through and he came back and he told me he said it was incredible he said we're standing there and he told us he said look at that piece of veneer behind you now if you don't know veneer is like a millimeter or two millimeter thick piece of wood all right and it was about that big all right and they all kind of turn around and look at it and uh he said see that wood there oh yeah and he goes it's extinct so he's got a thin veneer. Well, this is what this guy's doing right He's got extinct timber. Not, I don't think he made it extinct. <laughs> all right, but he's got <laughs> some. Okay, he's got some ex- timber that's extinct. And and the uh, the fellow just said to him, he goes, um, I think in the first service I said it was six, but I think it was twenty five thousand dollars for that veneer. Like you just can't get it anywhere. Like this this is what this guy's doing, and it's not like, and he gets one of his guys, and it's not like, mate, if you can just sand that at the start. I'll get this guy over here to just chisel. Uh, it's, no, nah, it's not. That is not how it works. The way it works is that they have these craftsmen and they get on it and they stay on it and they work on this thing and they make something intricate and incredible. And I want to say to you this morning that that's what God was like in your creation. You know, now you might think... Um, You know a few things about how it all came to pass and you might be able to find out by ultrasound that this happens at four weeks and that happens at eight weeks and that happens at 18 weeks, all right? And you might want to sit there and maybe you've been affected by evolution. It's a natural process. That's all it is, just a natural process. Well, I want to tell you, uh, it doesn't work like that, all right? And some of you go, well, maybe Ecclesiastes, right, of Ecclesiastes, didn't know. Well, I'm going to show you a proverb which illustrates what I'm talking about. Look at this. The lot, you could say dice, is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Do you see that? Like if you want to go, well, Ecclesiastes didn't have ultrasound, right? I'm just going, yeah, but they had dice, all right? And they kind of knew what happened with dice, right? They knew something about gravity. They knew if you threw it, it was going to roll. If you got a six and a five, someone there was going to go, that's just completely random. They just rolled it. It was a natural process. And the writer of Proverbs goes no it's not because God's involved in every decision that actually happens when you roll the dice. Now who here would like to know how God intersects with those kind of things? Who would like to know? Come on be honest who'd like to know? All right cool who does know? Oh, you don't right? Which what does that tell you? You're on a need-to-know basis right? (laughs) Like you are. That's it, and God's, God's kind of, I mean 2 Peter 1 said God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So if he hasn't told you where he intersects with things that look like a natural process, uh, you don't need to know. What you do need to do is you need to trust him that he's there and his providence and his plan is actually being outworked in something that you think maybe is a little bit random or a little bit uh, natural in the way that it unfolds. So what I want to do is I'm just going to show you a video. And it's an embryology video, all right? I uh, have a very wonderful friend, uh, Angela, who's uh, a bit of a guru when it comes to, um, to baby development because she does ultrasounds all the time at the hospital. And so I'm just going to show you a video, just warning you, it's got something about an egg and a sperm in the front, end of it, there's nothing else. But I'm just saying, if you haven't had that conversation, it's probably going to happen about 12.30, all right? <laughs> so uh, here we go.
1: Only two cells are needed to create a baby, two cells and a miracle. In just nine months, this pair of cells blossoms into billions of cells. Gently nestled and protected in a mother's womb, a tiny human thrives. Together, mother and baby share this journey of life, this magnificent adventure called pregnancy.
0: See, uh, from the moment the eggs fertilise, no new information is added. It's all there. And uh, so I want to show you a, a brief run. Uh, we asked a, a bunch of uh, parents in, in the project to, um, to send in ultrasound pictures and their, their final, uh, uh, well, one of the pictures of their kids kind of grown up a little bit just to see this contrast between uh, something small uh, and what God's kind of grown uh, people into, uh, grown the kids into by by this point in time, and just got a uh, bit of a selection of some of those to, uh, to play for you. It's incredible, right? Huh? It's incredible. Uh, so number one is the miracle of life. Number two, the miracle of an eternal soul. Have a look at uh, Genesis 2, verse 5 to 7. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man... Of dust from the ground and breathed breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You notice this here that the uh, the writer of uh, Genesis there Moses is making it clear that God, uh, you know, God had revealed to Moses what to write. You know, and God's kind of make it really clear. Here's the thing: man was actually created from similar kind of stuff to animals. It was created from the dust there. You know, God kind of put the, the man together uh, initially. You know, and there's a, some people kind of use this text and I, and I'm kind of going to get there, but some people use this text to say, oh, when God breathed on man, um, that was God giving a soul to the man, right? But it's pretty hard to get there from this text and from the way that the Hebrews in the Old Testament understood uh, people. There's been debates for many, many years about how many parts to humanity there are. You might have heard of the tripartite view, which is like there's body, soul, and um, spirit. Sorry, body, mind, body, and soul. And then you've got a a, a dualist kind of approach to humanity, that your body and soul. uh, And there's a bit of a move theologically at the moment to push to a sense of unity, which is like uh, human beings are just kind of, everything kind of stuck together in one kind of unified thing. But notice here that uh, what God's doing is he's he's taking this dust and he's creating something great and then it's his breath upon it that actually brings it to life. Um, And just note, it's it's interesting just to note at this point, you, you go to the next chapter in Genesis 3 and like the work of God turns something that's dust into something special and the work of humanity in Genesis 3 turns something special back into dust. Do you notice that? Genesis 3, like the curse is, from dust you are taken and dust you shall return. A really fascinating contrast between the work of God and the work of people. Uh, but the sense that you have uh, in this passage here in Genesis 2 is that God's kind of breathing on Adam and he's coming to life and I want to show you a, uh, a video in a moment that's a, a, a video kind of depiction of uh, Ezekiel 37 in Ezekiel 37 uh, God stands uh, Ezekiel the prophet before a bunch of dry bones in a valley and says uh, do you think these can live yeah. and I think he says uh, you know God you alone know and then God says I want you to speak my words over these bones and see what happens to these bones when you speak my words uh, over them And this is what uh, Ezekiel uh, does in Ezekiel 37. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord. God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. So I just, at the moment, I'm just wanting you to get a picture of what it's like. God's created Adam, and he's, he's kind of lying there, and he's lifeless, and somehow he just breathes upon him, and he just comes to life. I mean, it would just be an incredible thing uh, to see happen, and uh, just show you this uh, video depiction of Ezekiel Thirty-seven.
1: The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may so I prophesied as he Breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army.
0: So let's just push a little bit more. I mean, you, you imagine just seeing that. So what we're not just talking now about a physical being created in the mother are We're actually we're talking about something even more than that now. It's like. The Bible's clear about the fact that everyone here has a soul. Like there's a, there's a non-physical part to you that lives forever. I mean, scriptures are clear that God's going to raise people from the dead and there's going to be some kind of reunification between your body and your soul uh, after you die. But uh, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, you just think about it. Inside a mother is not just a physical reality, but a spiritual reality that lasts forever. i just stop with that one. Like that, that's, that's intense, right? I mean, Jesus kind of said this in, uh, referred to this in John 5, 20, 28 to 29. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So there's an increased wonder and probably even in a sense an increased fearfulness, isn't there? It's just like, whew, This is not, you know, I'm just not, we're not just creating another you know another dog or another another animal we're creating a as a human being being created here physically but a human being with a soul that lasts forever you know and this is not the fire and brim- brimstone kind of message right but here's the thing you know, according to jesus here in john five it's like the soul will live forever with god or it will live and die forever in hell true and it's, it's like, whoa, all right, now we're, this wasn't just a good idea. <laughs> this is bigger than just a good idea, you know, to have children. There's something really significant that goes on here. So what, what does that make us think? Well, in one sense, it makes us think, well, hang on, we're actually dealing with something significant. Mums are dealing with something significant, all right? Mums are doing things all the time that aren't just shaping their kids' body. They're not, it's not just about keeping the kids healthy, they're actually shaping their souls as well, always shaping your children, always helping them and growing them. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Number three, the miracle of the incarnation. I want to read this section out of Luke 1, verse 26 to 33. And as I do this, uh, I hope you can see where I'm going. It's like as a miracle of life, that there's a physical being that gets created in it. it's incredible intricacy. Then it's like the, the miracle of an eternal soul. And then... Let's just stop and imagine you're Mary, <laughs> all right? Like imagine being Mary, like that's taking it to a whole new level. So like if we start down here at a physical being being created and we go to here to an eternal soul, what about the next step where God actually decides to become incarnated in human flesh in a woman? Incredible. Let's read it. And this, are you excited about this? Oh, come on. Are you excited? This is good, right? Incredible seriously if you can't just go this is incredible the incarnation you i don't know there's something going on Anyway, i'm going to do my best to get you excited in the sixth month the angel gabriel now just before we go on any further you just need to know most of the time when angels get sent they're to deliver a bit of comeuppance to some people that need a bit of punishment right if you read the old testament they're not naked with a harp all right and an arrow or something. They're not like Cupid, right? It's like if an angel shows up, you're just kind of going, it's probably going to be bad. All right? (laughs) Probably. Not always, but probably going to be bad. Most of the time they're out there dealing a bit of grief out to some people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man uh, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. I love her response. It's so human. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and I love this phrase, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. (laughs) It's going, okay, is this going to go well or is it not going to go well? Can we just square that away and then we'll keep talking? Uh, and the angel said to her, reading from God's script in a sense, because he says this all the time uh, when he speaks to people, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you've found favour with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Incredible, right? I mean... Just pull up for a minute. I mean, even if you're a male, it's like, you can't, you know, every now and then I hear blokes say really dumb things like comparing some pain there into childbirth. And I just go, just don't even go there. All right. (laughs) Let's not make that kind of comparison. It's, you know, let's not go there. But here's the thing. I just want you to stop for a minute. It's just like, imagine just this moment. What? You know, it's, you know, I mean, you're just going to have to reflect on that one for a bit, aren't you? You know, I was talking to someone the other day and uh, talking about this redemption group thing we're going over to, and he said, yeah, look, he goes, you just need to be mindful that if you're trying to do redemption groups in three days with people, which is what we do over there, they're going to need to do a bit of processing after it. I'm just going, do you think? You know, it's like, that's kind of, rede- I'm just going, this one here, you're just going, do you think Mary's going to need a bit of processing after that one? Yeah, I reckon, probably the full nine months, all right, just to work that one through, you know. But, what I th- you know, anyway, Let's, let's just keep going with the next little bit here. Uh, this is it's part of the reason why I love reading the Gospels. Uh, it, you can just see the notes of eyewitness account, right? So, I mean, Mary's response there is, is really, that, that's what you'd expect, all right? And then her next response is kind of very practical down to earth. She goes, uh, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? <laughs> you, you might be used to it, right? But I, I read that and I just went, that's a good question all right isn't it that's a really really good question how's that going to happen all right and then the angel um answered her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you Therefore therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god and behold your relative elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with god who needs to write that on their forehead Or maybe somewhere, maybe not on your foreign, in reverse, so you can read it in the mirror. I don't know, right? But you need it. It's just like nothing will be impossible with God. We need to remember that. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Beautiful response in the end, wasn't it? Took a little while to get there. But um, no one here is going to be critical of Mary, are we? It's a big deal. What you're doing there's a big deal and you know i wonder you know one thing i've noticed is i, I think mums just reflect back on things they reflect back on their kids any mums you know what i'm talking about just reflect back on your kids and how your kids are grown and and just maybe just some you know some point some markers in their life where you just kind of that was that was an incredible time that was great you know just those reflective kind of moments And you know, and I wonder. I'm going to show you another scripture here in a minute. But you know, sometimes I just wonder, um, what's Mary doing? You know, maybe she's got a, you know, glass of cold water sitting on the roof of her house in Israel. She's seventy. Just going, what the heck was that? (laughs) You know, in the best, in the best possible way. Just wasn't that just absolutely incredible? Well, we know she did something like that before she got to 70 you know why we know that because it's in the end of Luke 1 listen to what she uh what she does she actually writes a song about it all Mary said my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed would you guys call her blessed yeah you would I mean it's, it's it's incredible so what have we got here we've got the miracle of physical creation. The miracle of an eternal soul. The miracle that God would come down, take on human flesh and go inside a mother's womb. I mean that, Now that's incredible, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, The second person in God, the Son, became human himself, was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of a particular height, with hair of a particular colour, speaking a particular language, weighing so many stone. The eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that, a baby. And before that, a fetus inside a woman's body. If you want to get the hang of it, think how you would like to become a slug or a crab. God creates an amazing physical body. God breathes life into it. God takes on one of these human bodies and here's where this is just the this is the final thing that sets it off is that after Jesus goes to the cross for every one of us and is raised from the dead what actually happens after that in Acts? God comes to live in his people again doesn't he? I mean, there's a sense in which the Old Testament he, he wasn't really indwelling people in the Old Testament he was kind of around and he was kind of doing stuff It's maybe a sense in which God, I mean, in a really kind of literal sense, God came and dwelt inside of Mary. But Jesus goes back to heaven and then he sends the Holy Spirit. And now we get to have God residing inside of us. Isn't that incredible? It's absolutely incredible. And who knows that mums need the Holy Spirit to do their job well? Yeah? You know that, don't you? It's just tough work. All right? And here's the thing, mums do a really, really good job who don't even know Jesus, who don't even have the Holy Spirit. But who knows you just do it better when you've got the Holy Spirit, all right? And he's inside of you, he's energising you, and he's he's moving in you, he's helping you to do the things that you're doing. You get someone there that you can rely upon. Uh, What an incredible blessing, an incredible opportunity that Jesus has opened up for us. Amen? We're done.